0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. My name is Nick Smith and I'm part of the leadership team of Champions Church Skipton. I hope and pray you will enjoy, be inspired and challenged as you hear what God has to say to you today. On Wednesday, I was speaking in Kendal to a group of churches, which was great. The A59 is a very long road and I followed a heavy goods vehicle all the way from Skipton to, to Kendal, I think. Um, <laughs> On a Friday uh, I was speaking in Bradford, we had a big training event uh, and I was going to go in really early, I was leading the day, I had to be there for 8 and I woke up to this bright shining light and it was my son shining his head torch in my face <laughs> saying, Dad weren't you supposed to have gone early today? So that was another one. <laughs> Yesterday, I, um, last night in fact I was speaking in Clitheroe for the Blackburn Diocese, they had a curious uh, retreat and this one I thought, this one is going to be uncomplicated. I'm going to go early, they're going to put some, I'm going to have some dinner with them. I was an after dinner speaker, which was quite new for me. I got to Glusburn, a very uneventful village generally, and I think I hit the biggest rock I've ever hit. And my tyre was punctured instantly. I had to change a tyre at quarter past six last night. I was due to be there at 20 to seven, to be ready to speak at quarter to seven. I have an eventful week for speaking. Um, it's amazing when you kind of pitch up to do a talk and you're covered in black all over your hands. I'm going to need five minutes. So, this morning the sun was shining and I drove down the hill with a funny spacer wheel on my, on my car and it was uneventful. And I praise God for an uneventful morning with the sun <laughs> shining. So, we have come to the next point in our journey in the book of Judges. We're looking at the the Judges. I hope you're aware of that. I hope you're aware we've been looking at these characters through that book. Um, And last time I got up here, I sent some questions. You'll know that I like to ask questions to see if you've been listening. For those of you that are kind of getting to know me, uh, paper and pen and taking notes will be really useful because I'm probably going to ask a question next time I get up. It fills the first two or three minutes of my talk and settles me while I'm getting ready. So. Can anyone remember, because I said it last time, how many judges are there in the book of Judges? There are other judges. Fantastic. Twelve. Twelve judges in the book of Judges. Well done. Um, Can anyone remember who they were? (laughs) 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 Samson is one. Thank you very much. Delilah. Not a judge. Deborah. Yes. Um, Yes, that was last week. Well done. Ehud. 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 Yes, Othniel, I think, we're, I think we're reading the Bible now, so I'm going to go through them now. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jetha, <laughs> Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. The 12 judges that are recorded in the book of Judges. I'm aware that there are other uh, judges in the Bible, other leaders. Uh, I was going to ask you who Michael preached on last week, but JJ just said Jepht. <laughs> I picked an easy one, Samson. We could all say that one. Fantastic. But what struck me and I got up, there, I got up here last time and I said to you that I picked Samson because he's a long haired superhero. I pretty much myself was my, my way of thinking, I prayed about it and I picked him and then when I came to prepare last time I didn't spend any of my message talking anything about his strength, his hair, God really much led me to how Samson began. He led me to the kind of miraculous way that he was conceived, the way he was set apart for God. Um, And I said at the time, I think there is probably at least one more message in this. When I started preparing uh, earlier this week, I could have written a three or four messages, but Christmas is coming and we have to move on as a series, so I am going to wrap some things up today, maybe a bit quicker than I could have done. But there is so much in this man's life. So, before I start today, I thought it'd be really good to recap on some of the bullet points I brought from that first message, which I called Set Apart for God. So, Samson's birth was a miracle. Manoah and his wife could not have children. And if you remember, I was saying, you know, they're one of six women in the Bible who were told it was barren, could not conceive, that God appeared to them and they had a child. All going on to do some amazing, and mighty things for God. So, they could not have children in their own power. I said that God wanted people to see His power in the miracle and not our strength. Samson was given life... And lived it dedicated to God. The angel said uh, to Manoah's wife, you will dedicate him to God. He will follow a Nazarite vow. Uh, he gave instructions on what she could eat and what he could eat ultimately. Uh, how he did his hair, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was dedicated to God. Through the way he lived, the way he looked, To talk about his hair. His hair was braided in seven braids. It never was cut. Uh, people could see him as a dedicated follower of God. He stood out. He was a follower of God. And when Manoah brought an offering, there was a great bit in that passage where Manoah said, uh, can, I, can I want to prepare an offering for this, for this guy who we later found out was an angel. The angel said, will you make your offering to God and not to me? Um, I brought some challenge to us all, didn't I? We, you know, do people see God in our lives by the way we choose to live? Do others see a life dedicated to God? When we are blessed, who do we give the offering to? Who do we reflect our offering to? Do others see what we are doing? And do others see God in what we are doing? Some great challenge for us all. Don't you just love it when God does that to you? So in my last message, as I said, I preached for 30 minutes on Samson without mentioning his hair or his amazing strength. And I aim to put that right today, but we'll see how I get on. So let's grab or switch on our Bibles uh, and let's uh, turn chapter 14, verse one. Okay, we ready? Right, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah, now get her for me as my wife. But Samson, um, sorry, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at the same time, they were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they, ate, and they too ate it, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman, and Samson made a feast there, as was customary for the bridegrooms. When he appeared, he was given thirty companions. "'Let me tell you a riddle,' Samson said to them. "'If you can give me the answer within seven days of the feast, "'I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty sets of clothes.' If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days they could not give the answer. On the fourth day they said to Samson's wife, coach your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn you and <laughs> your father's house to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? Then Samson's wife threw herself at him, sobbing, "'You hate me. You don't really love me. "'You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer.' "'I haven't even explained it to my father or mother,' he replied. "'So why should I explain to you?' She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day he finally told her, because he, she continued to press him. She in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, "'What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion?' Samson said to them, if you had not ploughed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at this wedding. Does anyone else sometimes read the Bible? And at first glance find it quite difficult to understand or get our head around some of the concepts. I've decided that I really like preaching from the book of Acts. I've just decided it's a really nice place to preach because some of this stuff is hard. The chapter starts with Samson demanding his parents set up a marriage with a girl he likes the look of. It moves on to ripping a line in half and finishes him with him losing a bet and killing 30 people to rob them of their clothes. So, when I, was going, when I was going on through this book, as I said last time, so what was going on through this book, as I said last time, we see a recurring theme of a group of people who consistently get comfortable, then turn away from God. They forget what He did for them, of them realizing the consequence of that action, usually oppression from an aggressive nation, it then normally involves people crying out to the Lord in some way, turning back to him, and we see God raise up leaders to save his people, and then the people get comfortable again. Samson was one of the leaders raised up by God to save his people. It says in chapter 13, and the second half of verse 5, the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance to set free... ...of Israel from the Philistines. The Israelites had done evil in the eyes of the Lord... ...and he delivered them to the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Oppression, captivity, punishment. Samson was God's plan to free his people. So with that in mind... ...let's have another look at this passage. So my first point... ...is Samson, not a perfect man... ...but set apart for God... I had to read the first few verses a couple of times and really ask God what it meant and what I was going to pull from that, what I was going to say. Samson effectively sees a girl he likes to look of and he comes home and says to his parents, that's the one I want. We then see his parents trying to dissuade him, but he's adamant that he has to marry that girl. He had seen her and just says, get her for me. That's quite, quite direct, really. For context, in that culture... The father, as the head of the household, held exercised authority in all matters, including the choice of wives for his son. So it's not that strange for Samson in that culture to come home and say, that's the one you need to set that marriage up for me. That was the father. That was the father's job. Samson was saying, I want that one. Dad, sort it out. His dad is clearly not keen, which makes more sense when you realise that marriage with the people of Canaan, so for the Israelites, marriage with the peoples of Canaan was prohibited. They were not allowed by by their own laws, and you can read in Exodus and Deuteronomy, they were told not to marry the people of Canaan, the peoples of Canaan. So you can understand, and it kind of says in the the verses, uh, isn't there an acceptable woman among your own relatives among all of our people you can kind of almost hear a mother saying isn't there someone close to home that you like I heard my mum say that when I told I was marrying someone and moving to Wales you can hear that voice but actually there was more to it there was this was deeply upsetting for them as parents he was going against what they were told to do he was marrying outside of the Israelite people or he wanted to Now we know, as we read on, with the power of hindsight, that it wasn't a great choice and didn't end well. We also know, as we read through Judges, that Samson had a bit of a problem with women. He struggled with women, he didn't make good choices about women, and this was just the first of at least three of those bad choices. But it says in verse 4, that his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion... To confront the Philistines. If you read it in the message uh, kind of paraphrase. It says arranging an opportunity against the Philistines. God wanted Samson to be in their face. This put Samson on their radar. We don't know. It doesn't say anything else in the book. But it seems to be the first time Samson directly encounters them through this marriage. This is important. In order for Samson to fulfil God's plan for his life, he had to be in confrontation with them. He represented God in amongst his enemies. It's interesting as this seems to be a theme in Samson's life. He makes choices that don't seem great to anybody they don't seem to be of God in fact they seem to come from a place of anger of desire of revenge but each time he winds the Philistines up a bit more and moves closer to freeing the Israelites one thing clear is that Samson was not a perfect man so for example because I can't read all the chapters of uh, the, the next three chapters later on he kill in the same chapter, he kills 30 Philistines just for losing a bet. In chapter 15, in an act of, venge, of revenge, he ties 300 foxes together in pairs with a flaming torch tied between each one of them and sets them running through cornfields, olive groves and vineyards, decimating the Philistine kind of produce. That got them quite cross. Yeah. He goes on. To kill over a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. When they got a bit (laughs) cross. These on face value do not seem like positive events or choices that we would like to take. But God anointed Samson to set his people free. And to do that, he needed to be set up. He needed to set up a confrontation with the Philistines. God made Samson to get at them and anger them. It was a gift he was given. Samson was not just a man who made bad choices. I think something that struck me is like so many times when I read the Bible, so many key figures we read about, people that went on to enact God's will. We saw some amazing kind of miracles through. Samson, like many of them, had faults. He was a fallen man. But through his relationship, his dedication to God, people saw god's power and he transformed the lives of god's chosen people samson was fulfilling god's plan despite his failings god still used him it's another one of those moments when i realise god does not need me to be perfect he needs me to follow him god will use me even though i make mistakes though i don't think he's asking me to act like samson did (laughs) Samson, no matter how annoyed I get with people, Samson was a man, he was born dedicated to God, he was set apart for God, and then walks with God. And we see through his life that he is full of the spirit of God. And that's when we get to the lion, and I can start talking about this strength he had. Samson, a man protected by God's spirit. I told in verse five, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. I don't know about you. That feels like a pretty terrifying prospect. He's going back to see the Philistine woman that he liked the look of. Remember, we've got that whole thing. I liked her. I'm going to go see her again. When a young lion attacks him. Apparently, I was reading some sources about this. Lions were really common in southern Canaan. But that doesn't make them any less dangerous. Just because I've seen them about, they're still a dangerous creature. I cannot imagine what goes through your head when a lion suddenly comes roaring towards you. They're fast, powerful beasts. An adult lion weighs in at about 190 kilograms, which is more than twice my weight. Um, And even if it was half that size, it's a killing machine with powerful jaws and claws. It's not the kind of thing you want to stand toe-to-toe with. I think the options available to me might range somewhere between freezing fear or turning and trying to outrun it, which is obviously pretty hopeful. Standing to fight it isn't up there in the way I would have approached this. But it simply says in verse six, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the line apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. I think this short verse says a lot more about Samson and a real insight into his relationship with God. Samson's in danger. God protects him and empowers him with the tool, tools he needs to do the job. It does not say in this passage that he prays. It doesn't say he cries out to God for help. But God definitely responds and fills him with, with strength. So much so that he's able to literally rip the line in half as it attacks him. Now it doesn't say, so I need to be careful, reading between the lines is a very dangerous thing in the Bible. But I feel that Samson had faith that in these moments God would protect him and empower him. We know he dedicated his life to God. That was his vow that he maintained from birth. He walked with God. This is not something that Samson could do in his own strength. This is another moment that points only to God and his power. This was a miracle of God. Remember, Samson was someone that was set out. People could see he was a man of God by the vow he kept, by the way he lived his life. This was another thing that pointed directly to God. He could not do this in his own power. We see this repeated through his life in verse 19. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 of their men. In chapter 15, verse 14, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes in his arms became like charred flax. The bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. These are as much as that's a brutal Uh, A brutal example of God's power. Nonetheless, this is stuff that Samson could not do in his own power. On both occasions, God empowered Samson to ultimately fulfill the task set out in front of him. Take away the brutality of what happened, Samson was set apart to God to deliver or set his people free from the Philistines. From an oppressive uh, nation that that had captured them. And they weren't very nice to the Israelites. On each occasion, through his story, God empowered him to do things that no man could achieve in his own strength. I want to take you back to my last message on Samson. I said Samson was set apart from others in the way he behaved and the way he looked. He would have been known and recognized as a Nazarite by those around him. Known and recognized as one who is dedicated to God, for God, to do God's work. Samson was known as God's man. Samson chose to follow his Nazarite vow after his parents had followed the message the angel gave him. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I said that actually Samson didn't have to follow that vow. He made a choice when he became an adult to keep going. A father can dedicate his son as a Nazarite at birth, but the son makes a choice to keep going. And here we see God's blessing on Samson by the way he is supernaturally empowered to do God's will. But what went wrong? Was it a bad haircut or the final part of the plan? You can see I'm skipping through a bit. I would have loved to spoken more, but I wanted to finish this. Samson was known for his poor choice in women, but the most well-known was Delilah. She is known as the woman that discovered the secret of his strength. I'm not going to read the whole chapter of 16 to you now. But Samson had again fallen in love, and Delilah, with motives of getting rich by the Philistines, set about trying to discover the secret of his strength. There becomes a bizarre game where he tells her false truths, and she tests him over and over again. He tells her first that she should use seven thresh, uh, fresh thongs or bowstrings, cords, and he would lose his power. Didn't work. He, she told him, he told her that if she used fresh ropes that had never been used before, he would lose his power. She told her that if she weaved fabric into the seven braids of his head. Each time Delilah set a trap, and when the Philistines came near, Samson showed his strength had not left after all. It was just a strange game. Finally, though, Samson gives in. And he explains that no razor has ever been used on his head. If his head were to be shaved, his strength would leave him. So if you look at chapter 16, verse 18, it says, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. On face value, you scratch your head a little bit on this whole passage. Why has Samson allowed this to happen? It was quite clear what Delilah was doing. Why has he been tricked like this? But remember, right at the start, God wanted an opportunity against the Philistines. Samson was set apart to free God's people from the Philistines. Through his actions, antagonising Killing groups of Philistines, raising their crops. Samson had been raised to a point where he had been elevated to an enemy of that nation. He had started by marrying the wrong woman and losing a bet. Now he was the enemy of that nation. They were desperate to capture Samson and they wanted to celebrate. This was part of God's plan. Samson was brought to the te- into the temple to be humiliated in front of the rulers of the Philistine people. In Gaza, the, the, the early stuff had happened in Timnah, which was a city in the mountains. He'd been brought to the port city of Gaza, the hub of the Philistine nation, in front of the rulers of the Philistine nation. Thousands packed into and onto the roof of that temple to get sight of his enemy, of this enemy that had annoyed them that much. He had brought the people to him. God had brought everyone to one place. With one final feat of strength, Samson brings the temple down. Samson's actions had brought the Philistines right to where they need to be to strike the decisive blow. In ending his own life, he fulfilled the task God has set him to do. But I want to go back to that haircut. I want to let you know today Samson's strength was not in his hair. Are We okay with that? The hair was not the thing that made Samson strong. His strength was in God. Samson's hair represented his vow, the dedication of his life to God. In this action, Samson had put Delilah before his vow. He, remember, he had kept the Nazarite vow from birth. No razor had touched his hair, which marked him out as a man of God. When he allowed Delilah to cut his hair, it represented him breaking his vow to God. It was removing the outward symbol of who he was and showed Delilah at that point was more important to him than God. When he gave up his vow to God, put something else before his dedication to God, to allow, he allowed his desire to come between him and God. It says that God left him. We can see that in our own lives, can't we? Not that God leaves us. And I don't believe God left Samson the way it says here. In our own lives, when we are distant from God, when we walk away from him, when we make other things more important, we effectively put things between our relationship with God. And it can feel like God is distant. But the reality is that it is we that distance ourselves from God, not the other way around. In verse 20, it says, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson's strength had gone because of his actions in breaking his vow. Samson realized his weakness and is captured by the Philistines. But in this case, Samson needed to be captured by the Philistines. We see the key point in the passage in verse 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more, once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed more, many more when he died than while he lived. He did quite a few while he lived. He stood there in the middle of that temple, people jeering and shouting abuse. Samson knew his role to free the Israelites. He turned back to God, simply put, God remember me. He gives his life to God's work and in this case he gives it sacrificially, sacrificially in the most final way. God strengthens him again and he's able to complete his work. There's a key message here for us all. When we turn back to God, when we dedicate our life to him, he is waiting to bless us, to welcome us back. God never leaves us, it's us that turn away from him. Samson realized his Creator God one more time and gave his life so that the Israelites would have freedom. It strikes you very quickly, doesn't it, that it's quite a familiar story. We heard that before. Is anyone can anyone draw a parallel in the Bible? I would hope you're thinking of what Jesus did for us for us. Jesus died that we might live. Jesus took the punishment. He brought everything down on himself so that his people would go free. So to finish. Samson led a life that was set apart for God. Samson was not a perfect man and he did things that we would not expect a man of a man set apart for God. God used Samson for his plan. Even though he was not perfect, he still dedicated his life to God. God empowered Samson to achieve great feats of strength. Each time it is clear, the Spirit of the Lord gave him the tools he needed to do the job. And he does that for us, doesn't he? Whatever is set before us, the Spirit empowers us to do God's work. Samson's power is not in his hair, but Samson let personal desire come before his dedication to God. And it's so easy for us to do the same, whatever that might be. God did not leave Samson. And when he cried out to God again, Samson's strength was restored. Samson gave his life to bring down those that oppressed the Philistines. He gave his life so that others might live free. And that reminder for all of us today that Jesus did that for us. Jesus died so that whatever any of us have done... Remember, the Israelite people had become evil in the eyes of the Lord and they had fallen into 40 years of oppression in the Philistines. The Israelites were evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yet God raised up a leader who would uh, bring them freedom, a leader that died for them, that they might be free. Whatever we've done in our lives, wherever we've come from, our background, God has raised up a man of God, a son of God, who died for us that we might be free. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for these great uh, passages of the Bible. Thank you for drawing us to them when sometimes we want to just gloss over those bits and go to the easy bits. Father, thank you that even in that hard stuff, your power is clear. How you've used people uh, is clear. Father, thank you that we, whatever our background, whoever we are, have been given the choice of life through what your Son did for us. Mm. Father, we pray that as we hear about Samson's life, as we hear about a man who who set apart for God, we can know that in whatever uh, we worry about, whatever our own failings we might be f- afraid of, Father, uh, that you can use us powerfully. If we give our life to you, you we can see people's yeah. lives transformed <laughs> around us. Father, I pray, speak to us as we hear your words. Speak to us as we hear uh, what you did through men of God like Samson. Speak to us in what our place is and what you have planned us Amen Well there you go Thank you for taking the time to listen I hope you've been moved by what you've heard today We would love to hear from you at Champions Church Please look us up on Facebook at Champions Church Skipton and drop us a message I'll speak to you again soon